listening to the Taming Hinges podcast. Conversations about self-awareness and mental health. We talk about anything and everything on the podcast. Real experiences, real life. Come get triggered. Welcome to another episode of the Taming Hindrances podcast. My name's Phil. I'm the host and creator of the podcast, and I want to welcome you to episode number 25, Initiation. Initiation is a term used when we talk about mystery schools, private organizations, uh, some of those nefarious organizations out there, all sorts of different things. You know, you have initiations in fraternities and um, people get initiated into all sorts of different stuff. Actually, in fact, you get initiated into things all the time throughout your entire life. So I want to talk about what initiation actually is. And unlike most uh, episodes where I start off with the definition, I'm not going to do that this time. Instead, I'm going to talk about the truth behind initiation, specifically initiation when we're talking about these mystery schools or organizations people get initiated into. I was a Mason for a spell. Um, I was, I made master Mason, which is a third degree Mason. Um, I didn't go any further than that because I didn't agree with the organization and not so much that I thought it was some nefarious plot to take over the world. I just didn't get anything out of it. To be honest, everything they were offered thing offering, I already kind of knew. And then on top of that, the individual who got me into masonry unfortunately passed away very shortly after I got into the organization. Uh, and he was the only reason I was kind of there, to be honest. Um, I joined with another individual who joined with me. This individual, this uh, person who passed away got us both into masonry. And we knew some other people that we had worked with over time. And I've known masons my entire life. My grandfather was a mason. Um, it was a huge rift between him and, uh, my, my grandmother. Um, so I had, I'd known about masonry and I've been about around masons before. And to be honest, it's all just kind of, um, it's kind of a misnomer here and there, a lie here and there. You know, they like to say that they're, uh, they're not a secret society. They're a society with secrets, but the thing people get caught up there is the word secrets you don't get initiated into a world of secrets. That's not how initiation works. You get initiated into a society. They're not a, the secret society. They're a society with secrets. The key there is though, they are admitting they're a society. They are their own little world of people living inside of an organization known as their societal structure. And that societal structure has an agenda and it has rules and regulations and has faux pas and norms and, and societal pieces. It exists outside of what we consider modern or, you know, general society. I shouldn't say really it exists outside of it, it exists inside of it, but it's its own little world of its own way of doing things. I know how to go to a Masonic meeting and, you know, I know the handshakes and I know the responses to make sure someone else is a Mason. And I know the things that you need to do to get into the lodge and get out of the lodge and how the lodge meetings are run. That's what initiation does. Initiation is the way in which we have passed on societal norms inside of societies. 
as a child, you get initiated into all sorts of different weird shit. You get initiated on, you know, proper etiquette, you know, take a shower, make sure you bathe. When you get old and you turn into a teenager, wear deodorant, you know, don't look like a slob, dress, you know, correctly, wear a uniform to work. You get initiated into the workplace that you, you know, end up at. I've been initiated into all sorts of different workplaces. Every workplace is essentially its own little society. It has its own political structures. It has its own, you know, normalities, its own way of doing things. It's colloquial responses, colloquialisms, has vocabulary. It has its own symbols, its own meanings, its own perspective. In fact, a lot of the things I've talked about on this podcast up until this episode, each individual society that people get initiated into have all these little things. They have their own education systems and beliefs, languages they use, the relationships in which they cultivate, the emotional responses, the reality they make up, the choices and you know the changes and perspectives and all these, they have their own systems specifically and masonry is no different. In fact, the odd part I think most people don't know about masonry is that most of it, is made up. Everything at the very low rungs is it's just it's just a made up thing to do. You just go to lodge and you make up reasons to go to lodge and have meetings. And there's nothing wrong with that part of it. Everyone wants to say that you know all oh, masons are trying to take over the world and I've been there, I've done it, they're not. They're not. Are the people going to lodge every day trying to take over the world? No. They're going to work the next day. They're taking care of their families. They're very nice gentlemen. Most of them, you know, will give you the shirt off their back. Even if you're not a Mason, they give a lot to charity. They do a lot of philanthropic work. They're generally nice people. They have interesting stories. They like to tell jokes. They like to have a cigar or a beer or a whiskey and, you know, tell you about their lives and their experiences. They're very generally normal, nice people. The upper echelons, though, is much different. And that's the differentiation a lot of people don't understand is just because someone joined masonry doesn't mean they're some nefarious person. And just like any other thing you might get initiated into, it doesn't mean you're some nefarious action or you essentially have the same belief structures as that society. That is a big key to understand when we're talking about initiations. You can get initiated into things and not even know it. What initiation is comes down to a a couple specific things. One of the key things initiation does is it gives the agenda to the individual from the society that you're joining. If that's a workplace, and like I, I got initiated into a pizza shop, essentially. I learned how to talk, do, work, feel, everything pizza. We served pizza. We were a short order restaurant, and the main staple was pizza. So I learned all about pizza, and I got initiated into what a pizza shop is. This happens almost in any restaurant, is you get initiated into this like weird cultural thing known as the service community. And it's not just restaurants. I mean, hairstylists, anything in the service community, you know, baristas, hairstylists, you know, retail. That's another one. It's a little bit separate, but still the same service, you know, community ideas. 
it's like an initiation. You start to learn these things and those specific things are that agenda. And that agenda is made up of a couple different pieces. One is the vocabulary. You learn that there's things that people say that mean a completely different thing in a restaurant. In a restaurant, if somebody goes behind, don't fucking move. Stay exactly where you are. Do not turn around. Do not look behind you. That's not what they're mean. They don't mean, hey, turn around and look at me. That's not what they're saying. They're saying I'm behind you. I'm probably carrying something sharp or something hot. Don't turn around. Don't move. I'm doing all the work here. I'm moving past you. I just want you to know this is a bad time for you to turn around. Do not spin around. You just stay put. You don't do anything. You just cool, whatever. Or you might hear hot coming down. Hot coming down means somebody's coming down the line with something hot. Again, don't move. Don't get in their way. Don't just spin around and make some flaily movement all of a sudden. You'll hear terms in the restaurant industry like 86. 86 means we're out. Take it off the menu for the night. You know, done. Or just 86 it, which is could mean throw it out. <laughs> it's this vocabulary that you get initiated into that means completely different things in that setting. And that's, you know, something similar when I you know talk about masonry is you learn a vocabulary. You learn different terminologies for things that you didn't understand before. And part of that is another piece of vocabulary, which is symbols. Because often we think about vocabulary as just being words and language. Well, language involves symbols. There's entire languages based off of symbols. That's, you know, Chinese, Japanese, they use the katakana and hirakana. Those are a symbolic language. Yes, they have structure and there's a whole vocabulary system within it, but they use symbols instead of what we consider an alphabet. It's, you know, slightly different. This is, we find this on through all history. There's, you know, alphabet languages and symbol languages and, you know, different types. And if you ever want to read about languages, I highly recommend The Loom of Language. It's a fantastic book. will help you understand languages and then also help you learn them a lot quicker. But that in and of itself, when you learn the alphabet as a child, you're in, in the English speaking world or any world that has enough, any language that requires an alphabet, or symbols, doesn't matter either one, doesn't matter. I'm just going to say alphabet here. When you learn the alphabet, you get initiated into that language. Learning the American alphabet, A, B, C, D, you know, learning your ABCs initiates you into the talking language of the English-speaking world. That's an initiation. So these things happen constantly. But one of the things they do is they provide the individual with the agenda of the society. It doesn't mean they explain it though. It just means that they present it to the initiate. There are different stages of initiation. Um, specifically in the Masons, I had to go through three separate initiations or ceremonies in which they do to become a master Mason. Do I share anything about those initiations? No. Here's why. It would ruin it for somebody who wants to join the Masonic order. I'm not here to ruin things. It was a very interesting experience, very eye-opening highly enjoyable. I, I didn't hate any of it. It was very interesting to have gone through the initiations. Doesn't mean that I'm part of some, you know, world takeover. No, I'll be the first one to call them out and be like, that's fucking bullshit. Cause I did that. That's what I did when I left the Masonic order. I called them out on their politics. I was like, you know what? The lodge that I was involved with the individual who got me into the lodge, his death became very political in the lodge and I wanted nothing to do with it. That wasn't for me. Politics were supposed to stay out of this. They didn't leave it out of it. They also didn't present me with anything new that I was learning. 
and I lost my mentor. So like I had no point of being there. I also can tell you one specific thing about masonry, which turned me off to it, which I find is pretty common in anything that requires serious initiation. And I'll get into that in a second, but it's the perspective, which is another piece of this. So the three of initiation are they present the agenda they give you the vocabulary or or and the, i'm using vocabulary to mean like symbols new wording all of that so that's like vocabulary so even like a symbol like seeing a symbol or, or a sign that would be part of the vocabulary and then they give you the perspective and the perspective is what changes the meaning for everything else and will eventually help you to understand what their agenda is and the perspective I got from the higher echelon of the Masonic order, specifically in the one that I was involved with, was I was a plebling, useless person who was supposed to essentially worship them. And it's not that extreme, but like those higher up in the Masonic order, like, you know, that go off to all the different lodges, the real higher ups, not the individuals at the lodge. Again, those are all very just nice gentlemen who just want to have a have a conversation with you and you know, they just treat you friendly. Like, you know, at any point in time, I could have called any one of my Masonic brothers when they were still my Masonic brothers and say, Hey man, I'm moving. Can you come help me? And they, yeah, they would have showed up or, Hey, you know, I'm, I got nowhere to go for a holiday. Can I come over? And they would have been like, fuck yeah, come on over. Like they're just nice people that way. Again, I'm going to get into this a little bit more, but when it comes to the higher echelons, I find this through all initiation schools anything that requires true initiation. Again, still going to get into that, but the top is weeding out the bottom. They're looking for specific things and they think they're better than you and you should, you know, essentially bow down to them or maybe not bow down to them. It might not be that extreme in the Masonic situation in which I found myself, those of the higher echelon, what I consider the higher echelon wanted me to note them. They wanted to be of note. They wanted to be recognized as being better in some way. They wanted me to know this was the grand this, or I'm the this, I'm the secretary of all of this state for the, this lodge. And, and that is what I, that turned me off the most when I learned that, oh, we're not all equal. Okay. Cause in it, we're all supposed to be equal. When you get to master masonry, third degree masons, that's master masonry. You've learned everything there is requiring the agenda, the vocabulary, and the, the perspective. There's much more to learn yet about the whole situation, but third degree masons know the agenda, they know the vocabulary, and they know the perspective. So you're supposed to all be equal at that sense, and we weren't. It was very apparent that we were not equal. I wasn't even equal to the people who had been, you know, grandmasters or in my lodge. They didn't treat me that way. They treated me very equal. But again, that was just the people in my lodge. And I was in a fairly small lodge. It wasn't very big. I mean, big in the grand scheme of things when it comes to masonry, because masonry is fading very quickly. But I was in a, what's considered a smaller lodge. We didn't have very many active members. So, in the lodge, everything was great. People were great. It was interesting. There was things to learn, people to you know hang out with, stuff to talk about. But the upper part of it, 
was certainly a, hey, we're better than you and you should recognize who I am. And I don't work that way. That's not, I, I don't work that way. And that comes from like, I don't work that way even in academia, which is another initiation. When you go to get your college degree, you're being initiated into a school. Some take that farther and get initiated into fraternities and, you know, all of these different things. But essentially that's an initiation. And that's what I talk about when I'm talking about something that takes a higher level of initiation. You know, everybody gets initiated into our ABCs and we, you know, we learn stuff when we go to school. When you join a situation in which you have to prove yourself in some manner or go through something, that's a higher level of initiation, such as masonry and the Rosicrucians, academia with, you know, associates and bachelor's degrees, um, licensure for professions, um, all sorts of different stuff that requires something out of you. Even, you know, in martial arts, we have initiations. Your belts are just initiations. Every level, you get a little bit more of the agenda, a little bit more of the vocabulary, a little bit more of the perspective. We give it to you all as a white belt. We've done it with everybody. White belts know what's going on. But we give you more as you get more belts. That's initiation. That's, And if you look into antiquity, if you look into history, if you look at how the initiatory schools came about, they are slightly for secrecy. But again, going back to that statement from the Masons, which is where I use as a reference, because that's my experience, they will say, we're not a society with secrets, or I'm sorry, we're not a secret society, we're a society with secrets. There's a strong definition there. There's a strong idea of they are a society. It means you need to do something to be considered a part of it. This is a divisional piece in all humanity, and it's been used constantly. It's even used in just blatant everyday travel. When someone is a tourist, they're not initiated into the culture that they're visiting. And thus, it becomes very apparent, like, oh, this is just some tourist person. And that's fine. Like, you know, maybe they're not causing harm and nobody really cares. But those who are initiated into the culture know, you know, the different little things not to do or to do. And the restaurant community is full of that. You know, you can typically tell when someone else has been in the restaurant industry. They just act differently at a restaurant. They might tip more. They make less, you know, they miss, you could, essentially you could hand me the wrong order at a restaurant. And as long as I don't think it's disgusting, I'll just eat it. You can even charge me the price for it. If it's, if it's more expensive, I'll just pay the bill too. Like I know how difficult it can be to be, have, be having a shitty day and have food sent back because something got crisscrossed and it went out to the wrong table. And like, you can't just go take the food back, but maybe your order didn't get like, there's all sorts of things that can happen. So if the wait staff brings up the wrong order to my table, I'm most likely just going to be like, that's cool. Whatever. Like, no, no, leave it, leave it. It's fine. Fine. Just don't, don't even bother. Just charge me what you need to charge me. And then, yeah, they're going to try to like, give me like some 15% off and I'm going to tip them 20 bucks extra. Cause like, I don't, it just, that's part of having been initiated into the restaurant industry. It's, it's, you, you do these things constantly. So why am I bringing up initiation when it comes to mental health and self-awareness specifically? Well, the information to be 
gained there is that initiations are happening constantly. And I'll talk more about more initiation schools and more of my Masonic um, stuff I, you know, went through and learned, but let's get into the deeper idea of initiation when it comes to mental health and self-awareness. When it comes to mental health and self-awareness, you almost need to be initiated. That's why I'm bringing it up. Those who are initiated find different meaning in the things that are around them. They find different meaning in the way things are said or seen or done, symbolization, vocabulary. The bigger issue, though, is initiation is dangerous. And initiation has destroyed so much knowledge and information throughout the years that I bring it up to talk almost openly against it. Initiation, when it comes to metaphysics, physics, academia, mental health, self-awareness, just general information, ways of going about finding information, the difference between knowledge and wisdom, wisdom is knowing where to find the information, knowledge is just knowing the information, it's dangerous because it becomes gatekeeping and it has become gatekeeping. In fact, that's what I talk about when I talk about how the Masons didn't have anything for me. I had done plenty of research. I knew about the two pillars. I knew, I knew so much about Masonry that it was almost underwhelming what I learned in the first three degrees. And then I knew almost instantaneously, like I have, I have everything you have. I've learned it all. Yeah, sure. Would the experience be interesting? Probably. Is it worth it? No. Did I openly act against it because I don't think that these gates should exist anymore? Yes. That was another reason for me to leave masonry is this information should be public. It's not dangerous to anyone. When it was first, when initiation was first essentially begotten was in a way to keep the riffraff quote unquote out. It comes from the priesthoods and the priesthoods are a long conversation that essentially culminates to there were people who thought they were better than others. And in order for them to keep their little club, their little society, they created different vocabulary and symbols so that they could pick each other out of a crowd and not have the conversations about the real stories and the real truths around people who weren't a part of that crowd. It's called gatekeeping. Politics does this. Academia does this. The health systems do this. And that's why I bring up initiation when we talk about self-awareness and mental health. Because although, yes, you've been initiated into many different things in your life, from the alphabet to the language you use to the job you have, maybe in the schooling you've done, you're also not initiated into a lot of things. So you don't know the differentiations when they use a certain vocabulary or a certain meaning or a certain symbol that has a certain meaning. You don't know. You don't see it. That's what initiation does. It opens your eyes. It opens your mind to different translations. I've talked about before, specifically in the last three episodes, we have body, mind, and other. And mind is that translation point. Initiation is like giving the mind new transcripts to do translation with new dictionaries, new encyclopedias, each individually specific to whatever that initiation involves. When it comes to the Masonic order, there's certain hand signs you can throw that another Mason will pick up and be like, Oh, you're a Mason. What's up? How you doing? 
the problem with that is almost everybody knows them now. It's very easy to go look up the Masonic hand signs. So does it dilute it? Maybe for them. But on the other side, what's the point of having them anymore? What are you trying to hide? Because that's what initiation has become. And we see this in politics regularly. And where we see it in self-awareness and mental health is things like The Secret, things like Tony Robbins before he came out and said, like, hey, I'm a piece of shit, but I'm going to be better. And he did, and I respect him for that idea. Things like motivational speakers who are really just cult leaders, cult leaders, um, you know, people like different religious organizations who are hiding things or coercing people. These are the places where we have to be very careful of initiation because oftentimes people are trying to initiate us and we have no idea, or they're trying to use the fact that we're not initiated against us. So when it comes to self-awareness, be very careful what you've been initiated into. Be careful what people are trying to initiate you into, you know, to use a, a poor but good example is multi-level marketing. You know, the pyramid scheme crap, that's an initiation. That's what it is. But it's it's for the it's for the few to take advantage of the of the many. And most initiations are that way in the very end. Any initi- initiation that requires something from you is a gatekeeping moment. And this is all healthcare, all politics, all religions, organized religions. They're all gatekeeping organizations. The news media corporations, gatekeeping organizations. Almost nothing in today's society doesn't require some sort of initiation, some sort of weird agenda you have to follow or some sort of vocabulary and symbolization that makes things make sense or some just perspective you need to you keep. Remember, there's these main three pieces. So... Should you allow others to initiate you? No. Should you not seek out initiation? Also, no. I joined the Masons specifically to find a set of information I was looking for. One, I wanted to know why my grandfather was one, because he was a very interesting individual. And a lot of the books I inherited from him started me in my path of seeking out the mysteries and and real human knowledge and history. Um, So... I, I was like, well, he must've gotten it from here. Right. Like it was just part of the, my, I don't want to call it my journey, but part of the path that I took was just like, okay, the Masons must have some of this stuff. So we did a ton of research on them before I even joined. I was actually never going to join, but the timing was right and it worked out. So I did it, but then I got there and found out that they didn't really have what I wanted. So, you know, oh, well, but that, that was kind of, the in-between. I sought it out, but did I need it? Not really. And that's where modern masonry changes from post-masonry. And this is where secret societies get dangerous. It used to be that a mason, well, an individual who wanted to be a mason, and I get the whole sexist argument. I really do. I understand, although there are female masonic orders in Europe. But I get it. Do I think it's right? No, it's another part that I'm not a Mason. Remember, I'm not a Mason anymore for a reason. Um, It's just an old boys club, but maybe they need that. So it's 
If they're not harming anybody, oh well. Are the upper echelons kind of assholes? Yeah, probably. But secret societies become dangerous when there is this requirement set. And this is where the self-awareness thing comes in because you need to be aware of what this is doing to you. Most people have been initiated into some sort of agenda or perspective, but they lack the vocabulary and the symbolization. That's the middle piece. That's the translation point. And they may agree with one side or the other, but really they got coerced into it. We find this in today's world of mass psychosis. And we find this in just about every historical event that ended badly for humanity. Is you take a, a group of people who have no idea that they're being initiated, initiate them, but don't give them everything, only give them an agenda or a perspective to follow, they all get on board, and then bad shit happens. This is essentially how cults are run. If you're going to run a cult or a shitty religion, that's how you do it. You come up with some great agenda idea of, we're going to change the world, we're all going to be amazing, your life's going to be great. Here's how we're going to do it. But they don't really tell you how they're going to do it. Instead, they give you a, a perspective. They give you a way of thinking about it. A way of, of seeing kind of things like, oh, you know, blah, blah, blah. This is how we're going to, you know, it's going to be great. But they don't give you any vocabulary or symbols that they're all using to kind of herd the sheep, to so to say. And that's where it becomes very dangerous for someone's self-awareness or mental, specifically for someone's mental health. Because you kind of get, you get brought into these things. You have no idea what's going on. That happens a lot in work situations, which is why at the very beginning of this podcast, I went over some things that I felt were very specific into breaking down someone's reality. Education, belief, language, relationships, emotions make up reality. And specifically talking about reality if I go back and look at the initiation to the restaurant industry, it made me a very cynical, angry person. And I find there are a lot of cynical, angry people in the restaurant industry and you get surrounded with that and you get initiated into this idea that everyone is a fucking asshole. Everyone sucks. Everyone's terrible. Customers are the worst thing in the world. And it's just angry cynicism and just, it just, it's not nice. It's not, it's not, fun or comfortable. And yeah, most people be like, Oh, you're just weak. Okay, great. I'm weak. I'm, I'd rather be weak in this example than live in that world. And not all restaurants are like this, but the restaurant industry as a whole over the last 30 years kind of lean towards this. You know, I'm not going to get into the, the specifics of the hiring practices and the type of people you find there, but this essentially leads to almost getting coerced into a very poor understanding of your own reality, your own mental health or self-awareness. So essentially you get initiated into a thought process or an agenda of be of service but everyone you have to serve sucks. 
that's the perspective. The differentiation there is the vocabulary and the symbolism have nothing to do with those two things. And this is the most dangerous part of every societal organization, be it secret or not. Could just be a football team. I don't care. When the vocabulary and the symbolization that you're using has nothing to do with the agenda or the perspective, but makes you feel included, you're in a bad situation. You have no idea you're in. And that's where you must enact your own self-awareness and start thinking for yourself. And a lot of people are there. And a lot of people get themselves there. And it's dangerous for someone's mental health to be in that situation and not have any control, but have no idea you don't have control. It's like, I, I don't even have a good example for it other than, you know, being on a train and you think you're in control of the situation because you're just on a train. Like the train's just going, it's on the rack, it's on the tracks. There's a conductor. Yeah. But like it's on, it's on the rails. It goes in one direction. You know, we're going in one direction. It's on the train tracks. What could possibly go wrong? That feeling, but in reality, the conductor is just doing whatever they want and applying their agenda and perspective upon you, even though your vocabulary and symbolization symbolization of I'm on a train and there's these beautiful, you know, things to look at, or, you know, I'm considering like a scenic train here, but or like I'm in like the the service car and I'm you know I'm just getting a coffee or blah 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 you know I'm just taking a train ride. Whereas the conductor at any point in time can be like I'm just going to speed this thing up until it comes off the rails. Who cares? And I'm going to jump out right before it happens. That's a dangerous place to be, and a lot of people find themselves there because they lack the understanding that that's what happened to them. And then the mental health piece that comes in after initiation goes wrong is very dangerous to the individual. And it's, it's very unfortunate that a lot of people get themselves there and it can be, you know, to any degree, if we just take academia and we look at degrees, associates and bachelor's degrees, I would argue that for the last I don't even know, maybe since inception, we've been initiating people into degrees with no futures and the rising rates. I, I shouldn't say forever because it used to be fairly feasible to just go get a degree and be able to pay it off with the job you got. But today's degrees cost so much effing money and student debt has become such a massive problem that that was an initiation that people got themselves into. They got sold on the idea, on the agenda of, get a great job by getting a degree. And the perspective was we need degrees to have jobs. So you see how the agenda and the perspective kind of met in the middle and there's only one trajectory there, but the vocabulary and the symbolization they were sold didn't agree to that. The vocabulary they were sold was based on doing a specific task and the symbolization they were given was a piece of paper that had no correlation to academia just needs to make money. Teachers need to make money. I, I totally agree that educators are underpaid, but academia itself was controlling this whole world 
of educational standards that didn't agree with the work that was being done. Totally separate. Because they were, academia was its own single organization of a societal structure. You know, they get to be the Masons, whatever. And then the work situation was its own societal structure, had its own agenda, its own perspective. And they were completely separate from each other. It's like the Masons and the Rosicrucians. Yeah, they talk all the time and you can be both, but completely separate organizations that have completely different agendas. So for academia to come in and say, yeah, we're going to give you these degrees and you're going to be, you know, go get these great jobs. That's an utter lie from the very beginning. You could simply educate someone to give them the tools and, a, and vocabulary necessary to go get a good job and to be effective at their job. But it means nothing to the degree of what you're going to do at work. Most people learn everything they need to know on the job. The differentiation is you provide the people with the education of the vocabulary they're going to need and the initial skill set they're going to need to be able to pick up that job and be good at it. You know, there's process. That's what's considered initiation. And what does initiation breed ultimately? It breeds the necessity for more initiation. And hey, I'm on the fence. Do we need it? Do we not need it? I can't really say one way or the other because maybe it'll destroy society, but do I really care? Who knows? What initiation does breed, though, is more initiation. And it just gets more and more and more. And the problem there is when we don't apply self-awareness to our initiations, that's how you get sheeple. That's how you get people walking around with no idea what's going on. They've never been initiated into anatomy and physiology, so they have no idea what the doctors are saying. So they, they don't they don't know what's going on there. They only know their what their family initiated in, them into as far as their educational standards. So they don't so you just get all these little divisive pieces that make up all these different maps that never fit together into a globe. They never fit together into a whole. And we've done this so long and for so many different things that We've destroyed knowledge and information. We've destroyed institutional ideas that, well, we've created institutions to destroy truth and just destroy knowledge and destroy wisdom. And, and this is where even terms like seekers of the flame or those seekers out there, when we talk about metaphysics and like the theosophical society, and, you know, I talk about Manly P. Hall and H.P. Uh, Plavatsky and all of these different things. Even when I talk about philosophy and I talk about, you know, individuals there like Paracelsus and Plutarch and um, Ecclesiastes, And when we talk about all these people, Antoinette, Marcus Aurelius, again, the list goes on and on. There's an initiation there. And, when we look at that, we often call people looking towards those things seekers. And then you get individuals that say, oh, you're a seeker of the flame. That is right there, initiation. They're asking a question. Do you understand the symbolization between what the seeker of a flame is? Do you know what the eternal flame is? Do you know what the seven different flames are? Do you know? It's just a way for people to feel included 
while excluding everyone else. Racism is an initiation. Generation X are very, I shouldn't say completely, but most likely not racist because they're the first generation that had to go to non-segregated schools. They went to non-segregated schools. We didn't start racist. We were initiated into it. Anyone who's racist nowadays is initiated into racism. It came from somewhere. A child doesn't start off racist. You get initiated into racism. Your family teaches it to you. Someone at work teaches it to you. A mentor. Someone has to teach someone and initiate them into racism. That's where racism is a great example of the dangerous pieces of initiation. Because anybody with any anatomy and physiology or any knowledge of the human body can just step back from that situation and go, uh, dude, it's just a genetical reference to the melanin in your skin. A black person makes more melatonin than a Caucasian and Asian or Latino makes more melatonin. Like, or you get white people who tan really heavy. So like their melanin production is reliant on high vitamin D levels provided to them by solar radiation which will make their skin darker over time if it continues to onset like that. It's just a melanin reference. And that's where self-awareness brings us into the point of going, this initiation is bullshit. You should go away. And that's where we haven't gotten yet. Instead, we get organizations and institutions that want to continue these initiative practices to make their lives easier, to sell us on something, to sell us on their agenda, to get us to agree to their perspective. And what have I said over and over on this podcast? Never give your perspective, your way of thinking, your reality to someone else. Don't give it to them. Don't give your choices to other people. Don't give your truths to other people. Like, don't give people the power over you. It's, you can't do that. It's not okay. Because we live in a world where people got lazy. People decided, you know what? I don't want to think about this. This is too hard. And I get it. Life's not easy. I've said before, life is suffering. Choose how you suffer. You don't get to just give up your power to someone else though. By doing that, you are unbalancing things. And if you are unbalancing things, you're outside of balance and the world will bring you back to balance. I've said also many times that the universe is constantly seeking balance. It's one of the universal laws you learn in metaphysics. And that balance is begotten by asymmetry. So all throughout history, we find these initiation situations. I'm going to reference Hitler here and probably piss some people off. Hitler was a great initiator. He was an amazing public speaker who initiated people into the mass psychosis that there was a specific race and order that should be designed and fortright. He did so very subtly at first. He did so very slowly. He initiated people not into the idea of eugenics to begin with. He initiated people into the idea that Germany was poor. And the reason it was becoming more and more poor is because its resources were being taken away by non-Germans. He essentially ran on the idea of xenophobia. He wanted Germany to be more purely German. 
And that's when the differentiation happened. He got everybody on board by initiating them into the agenda and the perspective of, I want a better Germany for Germans. He then changed that while using the same vocabulary and symbolization into eugenics and his own personal idea of hatred towards the Judaic faith and the Hebrew communities. And that has happened in history many times. The medical apartheid of Africa, World War I, World War II, the Baltic War, uh, all sorts of different, most wars are actually started from this process. There's an initiation, and that initiation might lead to mass psychosis, which is where we're in today's society here in the beginning of 2022. But these all start as an initiation process. An initiation is dangerous. An initiation is a gatekeeping practice. Can initiation exist friendly and happily and be great? Yeah, sure. Sports teams, that's an initiation thing. Part of the team. Does it hurt anyone not to be a part of the team? No, because then there's like fans and other things like, so yeah, it makes camaraderie inside of them. Can initiation be terrible? Fraternity hazing, absolutely a fucking terrible practice that hurts people mentally. That's a problem. That's where initiation goes bad. Remember, I take the connotation out of things. Can initiation be good? Yes. Can initiation be bad? Absolutely. Are we, is it our, our responsibility to be aware of the initiations that are happening to us? Yes. That's the differentiation. No one's willing to tell you that. So I'm here to tell you. You need to be aware, just like self-awareness is being aware of yourself, part of self-awareness is being aware of your outside influences, and you need to be aware of the initiations you are being brought into, coerced into, grouped into. Initiation is a, a dangerous thing in that realm, and you need to be aware of it. You know, you don't go walking in the woods and not be aware of the grizzly bear that's going to eat you. You know, and that's what these initiation practices are. These are grizzly bears hunting you in the woods. I know it's a bad analogy, but go with it. It's so if we take it a step further into mental health, initiation is a huge part of your mental health because it can change your depressive outlook. And remember, I use depression as how we see the world and how we translate the physical and all this other stuff into the mind, send it up to the other, bring it back down that whole process of mind, body, and other and mind's the translation point. That's your depression. Initiation curves that it adds pieces to it. Like I said, if the mind's the translation point, these initiations are different encyclopedias, different, you know, scripts of writing or, or reference pieces you know, if we're doing a research paper, we need all these reference volumes. Those are what initiations are. So they can be troublesome to the mental health because they're adding in these new reference materials. And we might not be aware of them because it's an easy thing to do to sneak that into someone's mental health. That's how cults work. That's how massive religions work. The the, the not so great idea of, you know, super churches and that kind of stuff. I'm always for faith for the most part. No, yeah, I'm always for faith. 
someone who has faith, that's great. I like to say I'm polytheistic. I believe in everybody's God. Go right ahead. Have faith. That organized religion thing, though, when you get, like, super churches and, like, pastors who have, like, fucking, like, seven jets and, like, 20 houses, that's just a business person. That's just a person running a business. That's not religion. Like, that's not faith. That's That's organized religion. The Vatican, perfect example. You get initiated into the Catholic Church, become a, you know, whatever part of the priesthood, cardinals, all the way up the list. That's an initiative right. It's gatekeeping. They're hiding things. They're keeping you out for a reason. They don't want you to be a part of it, but they want your money. They want your fealty. They, you know, that's a problem. That exercise leads to people in very bad mental states because they got themselves put into a, a bad situation that they had no control over. So it's important in self-awareness to be aware of these initiations. It's even more important for your mental health state to not get involved into the initiations you don't want to be involved in or to be able to walk away from the ones that you don't agree with. Just what I, I'm not saying masonry. When I talk about masonry, like masonry didn't do me any harm. It could have. I could have gotten caught up into this idea of, you know, I would, I would have been a very easy prey for them had I not been at the mental state I was. Had I joined masonry maybe six years before I did, Oh, yeah, they would have had me good. They would have been able to, if I would have joined Masonry, I don't remember when I, let's just say when I, if I would have joined Masonry when I was 18, between 18 and 20, maybe even 21, they would have been able to just get their claws into me and, and weave and turn me into whatever they wanted. It would have been very easy for them to do that. I was looking for a, you know, I was, I was looking for all sorts of stuff. I was looking for information. I was looking for, you know, mail, you know, uh, perspectives, maybe some male bonding because like I didn't have a father figure. I didn't have a lot of male friends. I didn't have friends in general. You know, I was a workaholic. I needed people to like me. I really, you know, I, I needed people to think like, oh yeah, feels really helpful. And you know, blah, 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 blah. I had all of these mental health issues going on and all these things I wasn't in control of and all these self-awareness points that I hadn't gone after yet. They could have easily gotten their claws into me and turned me into whatever they wanted. An evangelical Mason. It would have been very easy for them. I had the background. I thought, you know, oh, my grandfather was a very wealthy individual who, you know, was a Mason. And, he, you know, he obviously had ties there that helped him out. And, oh, they could, it would have totally would have gotten me. That wasn't my experience with it. But it, I, I see now that that absolutely could have happened. And I see it happen to other people constantly. Even in just like little things, you know, you get initiated into a certain way of life due to the, the friends group you have or the, the job that requires you to have the car and you got to have a nice car, you got to look good, got to have nice clothes, you know, you got you to have these things going on. So, you know, you get initiated into these things and all of a sudden you're miserable. You fucking hate everything. Do you have any idea how many wealthy people I know that are fucking miserable? Because they have to keep up some sort of show. Some sort of, like, the money's got to keep rolling in somehow so they do more and more things that they don't really want to do. Or just, like, pervasive nature in general. Things that we call debased. These tend to be an initiatory episode that people get stuck in and they just won't walk away from. I was initiated into a family 
I had no choice. You know, you don't get to choose your parents. I was initiated into a family that wasn't healthy for me. Were they terrible people? Not really. No, I know a lot more about them than most people do. And I know a lot more about them individually than each other do. Do I spend time around them? No, that was my choice. I chose to walk away from my family because they weren't a healthy situation for me. It was constantly mental anguish, constantly problematic. Do I wish them harm though? Am I going to get the pitchfork out and riot against them? No. Do I even talk shit on them usually? No, I don't. But I was initiated into something I had no control over. Just entered into this family. Just had to be a part of it. And I got initiated in all sorts of other stuff. You know, a farmer, uh, my mother was a seamstress, so I learned about sewing and all the other. I learned plenty of different trades and skills and, and information from them, but there was a ton of mental language, lies, deceit, sexual abuse. It, there was all sorts of bad stuff. I had to learn that even though I was initiated into this and a hardcore initiation, we're blood, family's blood, Phil. That's a hardcore initiation. And I've been through other hardcore initiations since. Masonry is kind of a hardcore initiation. There's a lot involved and you got to do stuff and it costs money. Martial arts. I've been through blood oaths. Or you fucking sign your name and you prick your thumb or finger or whatever and you put your blood and fingerprint on the seal. You know, other martial arts initiations have had... Almost every, I think just about every joint in my body dislocated to learn some sort of joint lock or this, that, and the other thing, or for traditional Chinese medicine purposes to know like, oh, it's this tendon and this ligament that gets all fucked up when this happens and hardcore initiations, they're all over the place. So when that happens and you don't walk away or you don't even become aware of that, because there's that that piece, oh, family's blood, that's a hardcore initiation. Had I never walked away from that, I absolutely 100% would have killed myself. Hands down. Like, just, that absolutely would have happened. Most likely, the outcome would maybe have not been a full suicide, I mean, I made suicide attempts, but like, the way I would have completely went about it so I would have joined the military and tried to get myself killed because that was the easiest route to make everybody involved happy and to piss off the people I wanted to piss off at the same time. My dad was in the military, could have joined the military, could have done it, would have became infantry instead of anything else and probably would have went and got myself killed. And I'm not saying don't join the military, please don't. I'm, I'm all about veterans, all about, I like military people. I get along with them, you know, that's not what I'm saying here. That would have been my route of choice though, in the end. And maybe I wouldn't have gotten myself killed, but it, that would have been my, that would have been another exit route because that would have gave me purpose again, instead of being miserable inside of this family unit that I was initiated into and was just fucking stuck and just wanted to kill myself because none of them understood me. All of them pretty much made fun of me or allowed people to make fun of me. And like, you just, Family gets away with so much shit because of this initiation that your blood, it's obscene. But I believe in the family unit. Families can be absolutely a beautiful thing. 
And I've seen some people with beautiful families who really support each other and are just great. And yeah, no, it's not all good, happy-go-lucky times. It's right down the middle. You know, there's good and there's bad. They even it out. They balance it out. They find balance. And I've also seen people who are just trapped in their family and never want to get away from them. They just think they owe them so much. And yet they just make them miserable every day. Every day they make them miserable. And that's why I couldn't find a way to talk about walking away from my family without giving a perspective of, or giving an idea, I shouldn't use perspective because I'm talking about initiations, giving this piece about initiations and how this how this works at a mental mind level, the translation piece and the agenda, the perspective and the vocabulary and symbolization. The agenda of the family unit is to be a family unit and to support each other. That's typically the agenda. The perspective is that the family unit is more important than everyone else. And so you protect the family unit, the vocabulary and symbolization. If those two things don't agree, like I talked about before, it's not, it's not the right situation. The vocabulary in my family was lies, deceit, hurtful words with symbolization of, oh, I'm just joking. We're just family, you know, oh, we're just, you know, we're just messing with you. No, that shit hurt. Like a little me was lonely and upset and cried a lot and no one gave a shit. Instead, they just piled it on more. So you're fucking weird for like an anime. You're, you know, Oh, weird for this or that. Like what you, Oh, you must be gay. It was nonstop. It was constant. It just, Oh, well, that was my answer. Oh, well, wait a minute. I don't have to be a part of this. I got initiated into something I had no choice over, but that's what this was. This was an initiation by blood huh, I don't agree with any of this. So I'm going to leave. And I'm going to go do me. You do you. That's fine. But I'm going to go do me. And being me had nothing to do with being a part of that family. And I think some people can, they can get along with that. I think some people can learn from that. Your choices are your choices, though. I'm not here to make those decisions for you. What I'm here to tell you, though, is... You got to look at the initiations. What have you been initiated into? Do you want to be inside of that society? Because there's little societies inside of society, inside of societies, and it just gets deeper and deeper and deeper. Do you want to be there? Are you living in mass psychosis? Are you believing things just because people tell you to believe them? Some organized religions are a mass psychosis of sorts. Your self-awareness is kind of hinged on this idea of these initiation processes, of the initiatory schools. And unfortunately, once you figure that out, you get to the point where you understand how initiation really works. There are people who want to initiate you, and there's people who want to be initiated. And really, it's a substructure of preying upon your mental health. 
typically you need to look at the idea of if someone's trying to initiate you into something, are they doing it because it's good for them or it's good for you? Nearly nine times out of 10, given how humanity works, it's good for them. It has nothing. To, it might be good for you too, but it's good for them. It doesn't work the other way around. There's very few people in this world who are going to get you into anything or initiate you into anything solely for the idea that it's good for you. They will typically have a benefit from it. And so you shouldn't trust it until you understand what it's about and if it's good for you or not. And if it is good for you, awesome. Go with it. If it's not hurting anyone else and it's good for you, that's great. It might not be that way though. And you need to take the time to look at it and say, hmm, okay, I'm, I got into this situation. These things happen. That, okay. How do I get out? And I know not get, I know getting out is not easy. And, and this is where, you know, there are hopefully ways in which you can get professional help or you can, you know, there's resources that are available to you. It starts, though, with this awareness of initiation. And it leads to a broad world of self-awareness and mental health that's beyond just getting to know yourself. And it leads into the ideas of deep-seated morals and ethics, deep-seated belief structures, what you stand for as an individual and will speak out against not going along with the crowd, learning to be an individual of your own accord, being a republic or part of a republic. And it's very powerful because those who have been initiated get to share it and get to give out the information freely if they so choose to, which is what I do. It's just, Generally, give out the information that I've become initiated to. It's not all happy-go-lucky, though. And a lot of times, initiations lead to an understanding that this world is a little bit more seated towards perverseness and, well, just terrible crap <laughs> than it is the other way around. That's why I constantly quote the Buddha with the, you know, Buddha said life is suffering. You have to choose how you suffer. It's because it wasn't really lying. It was just kind of being honest. And there's not a lot of honesty in initiation, which is one of the last pieces to kind of take into effect. Because again, initiation has destroyed knowledge and information. So to, to jump off here at the, towards the end here, to jump off into the conspiracy world and the the other terrible shit because I started with masonry. I might as well finish with some of this. The human history in which we live in is most likely a lie. And I'm not here to be like, Oh, you know, they did this and they did that. When you understand initiation and how initiation works, you can see how easily people can be coerced, which is another way of fortifying your mental health, by knowing how initiation works so that you don't get initiated unwillingly because those who have been uninitiated unwillingly, those who have been initiated unwillingly is the majority of the populace. 
in all of history. There is a ruling class, and then there are people below that that take care of ruling the others, and the ruling class rules over the middle class, and the middle class rules over the lower class. Or if you want to put the higher, middle, lower, whatever you want to put it down, but it's a pyramid. That setup very egregiously destroys any semblance of of pure truth. Because it's nearly impossible to be nice and honest. Honest people are typically found to not be nice. Because nice people will lie to make you feel good. Honest people will just tell you the truth no matter what. And sometimes truth hurts. And typically, honesty begets negativity from the person that you're giving the honesty to because they just don't want to hear it or they're just not capable of dealing with it. or And that's their problem. So it's much better to be honest to yourself than it is to be nice to others. Again, it's very important to be, it's much better to be honest to yourself than to be nice to other people. This is not to say you have to be mean to them. It's not to say you have, you know, to not lie. You just need to be honest with yourself. The honesty that I find inside of the initiation schools is we've been lied to because they were trying to be nice to make us feel good. So we would follow them because you don't follow people you don't like. You tell them to F off and you move on. So they make you like them by lying to you. And a lot of organizations and a lot of people have been doing this throughout all of history. Really, humanity is just really good at two things. Warfare and lying. We're really good at both. We're all we're astonishingly good at warfare. And we're really good at lying. Absolutely. Us. We're so good. So good at it. So if we're this good at warfare and lying, it's probably a good idea to be a little bit skeptical. Just a little bit. Just be a little skeptical. So you should be skeptical of initiation. You should be skeptical of those who have been initiated. I've been initiated. I've told you flat out I was a Mason. I left the Masonic order, but I was a Mason. It means you should be skeptical of me. Because I understand things a little bit differently than most. And this is where I might lose a bunch of people and that's totally fine. And this is my own personal opinion and my own personal, essentially belief. There is no grand perfection piece here. Okay. I don't believe in organized religion because I don't think any of them have it right. If they did, we'd all believe in them. If there was one perfect religion that got it right, everyone would believe in it. That means they all have some of it, right? Because there's more truth in a lie than there are lies in truth. Again, remember, going back to nice and honest, if someone's honest, they're typically not nice. doesn't mean they can't be nice. But most times, pure truth, pure honesty, is, it's, not, it's not just one thing. It covers the gamut. It could be good, it could be bad, it could 
be great, ugly. It does. It's honesty and truth. Whereas being nice is all the manipulations in and of it. So, but in those lies is some truth. There's always a little bit of truth in lies. Anytime someone's told a lie, anyone who, remember humanity's really good at lying. Anyone who knows how to tell a lie knows to use a little bit of truth because it makes it believable. So my personal opinion is, yeah, there's all these, these different answers and different initiations and all these different things. Every single one of them probably has a little bit of truth, but nobody has it all. And that's why you need to be skeptical because you got to seek out the truth. A true seeker of the flame is of the flame of honesty. That's what you learn in the Masonic order. No one ever tells you. You also lose the Masonic order, the Rosicrucians. Um, I can't think of the Greek one right now. I apologize. Uh, Apop something or other. It was a, it was a Greek um, philosophical standpoint. Um, pretty much every secret society. Um, Chinese, you know, they have a certain set that it, it, there's, when we talk about seekers of the flame, you may hear that when you're talking about initiates or those who are getting into metaphysics, the flame of truth burns all flames. That's what they say. That's just a cryptic way of saying everything has some piece of honesty in it, but most of it's all lies. And the seeker of the flame is the person who's weeding through all the bullshit to get the one little piece of truth then add that to their little bucket. And then they add, they go and they seek out some more and they, f- they go through all the bullshit and they get another little truth. The truth that I got out of my initiation from my family unit was I'm selfish. And I don't want to be treated badly. And although at the time I really didn't necessarily believe that internally that I should be treated better, I knew I didn't want to be treated that way. And so the truth I got from it was, oh, I deserve not to be treated like this. And I don't want to be treated like this. In fact, I needed to not be treated like that. So I left my family unit. In the Masons, I was initiated in willingly. And I learned, oh, I don't want to tell chauvinistic bullshit jokes and have someone text me pornography. Not all Masons are like this, but some of them did. I I don't want to be a part of that. This isn't, this isn't the social club I wanted to sign up for. I wanted metaphysics books. I wanted knowledge and information from antiquity that was hidden from the world. They didn't have it. They had a great library that I wasn't really allowed access to because the fucking hours were terrible because it was somebody's like, part-time job to be a part of the library. And even then when you sent out for a book, it could take weeks just to get one book and then have to send that back. It was just a whole process where I could just go try to find it online or, you know, pay the absurd amount of money to the collector that has the book you're looking for. Is it going to make a difference in what you actually find? Maybe, maybe not. So was it worth it? No. So I learned I didn't want to be a part of that either, but I did learn all this stuff about initiation, all this stuff about secret stuff, not secret societies, just societies with secrets. I learned about societies inside of society, little different breakdowns. 
I didn't want to be a part of the restaurant community because it was, it's all long, hard hours. And it's depressing. The money sucks. And it's mostly depressing because the money sucks. Most of the people, they're miserable because they get paid shit to deal with other people's shit and to serve others. And then you learn that there's this surf class, this serving class that they want people to stay inside of. And then you, it's piece by piece by piece. You get all these little nuggets of truth. And then you learn things like the universe is constantly seeking balance. I'm initiating you to that. So here's the last piece, right? I've initiated you and others when listening to this podcast. So initiation is literally finding out different ways to take an information and use it. That's the truest version of initiation. And the truest initiations that I've been through, the the ones that I find resonate the most with me, others that I've talked to, and the standardization of what these mystery schools or initiative story schools are actually practicing and seeking or finding is that we don't know really what's true and what's not. We do know we don't necessarily look at it the right way. And that each of these different initiations are adding a different way to look at it so that maybe we can better understand it. In fact, they're very similar to the scientific method. They are all hypotheses. Hypothesize. I don't remember. I, screw it. Move on. They're all a hypothesis. Christianity, Islam, Judaism, Jainism, Buddhism, Hinduism, although they're not really, I'm not just linking it to just Democrats, Republicans. I'm just going to start opening it up the floodgates here. Western medicine, Eastern medicine, everything is a hypothesis. It is the scientific method by nature. It is a guess. A correlated guess, maybe educated, it's an educated guess. That's what a hypothesis is, but it's a guess. And we're just guessing at things constantly. So the more things you get initiated into, the more of these hypotheses you collect, you can start to put correlation to them. Is blood thicker than water? Only if you want it to be. That's what I got from my family unit. That was The hypothesis was, ah, he'll take all this because he's blood. Nope, fuck you, I'm moving on. That was my answer. And I find a lot of people have done that. And a lot of people should do that. I digress. When you go through all these different, and you start looking at how all these different initiation works, you put all these hypotheses together and you can start picking out different pieces that all correlate. And the correlation points I am left with are, which is what fundamentally changed my mental health from someone who was actively suicidal to someone who just contemplates it every once in a while because it, Fuck a meteor sounds good right now. Is this. I personally believe. We do not know. The true history of humanity. And that it's very easy. For a group of individuals to have lied about it. And to inject whatever they want. Into what we know is history. So we must be skeptical of it. We do not have empirical evidence to define what would be known as a God. 
we do have a large, massive, really, collection of information regarding other people's understanding of what the term God or gods is and what they are, who they are, and what they did. But is it fully correct? Probably not. In fact, if we add in other initiations, other hypotheses, we can come up with maybe a better correlated understanding. And my better correlated understanding is that it would be very easy if we think about it to put in the idea that gods were maybe alien of nature. A god could easily have been a being from another world and we'd never know. It's very possible that the Atlanteans of Atlantis, if that was a true place, if it was correct, and we want to believe some of the things that point in that direction, if we want to believe that hypothesis, it'd be very easy to add the other hypothesis that they were just aliens and they were doing genetic experiments on the primates and they came up with us and then shit went bad and they left. And you could hypothesize that maybe the reason they left is that their planet exploded or was under attack or they were just here on a science organization because, hell, we freaking send people to the Amazon constantly and just, you know, leave and come home. We do that on our own planet. We go on vacations. And on vacations, our children, not mine because I don't have any, but people's children go and they like do random shit because they're bored. Or, you know, you ever go walk through the woods and you get to like the stream and somebody stacks some rocks because that's a, that was a thing. The whole rock, rock stacking thing. Somebody got bored and stacked some rocks and now there's this rock structure and everybody's like, whoa, that's crazy. It's all balanced and stuff. Imagine if there's alien beings and they just, you know, they stopped here and they were like, mm, I'm going to make a pyramid because I wanted to. Not saying the pyramids were made by aliens, but these hypotheses open our perspective and open our understanding to what could be possible. And they start to eliminate the conjecture for differentiation based on bullshit. They get us out of mass psychosis. They get us to stand up and say, fuck you, Hitler, you're an asshole. You were wrong. Now we got to go to war over this. They get us to stand up and say, no, my body, my choice. They get us to stand up and say all sorts of different things. And we can do that based on morals and ethics, which are other hypotheses that we have to form for ourselves. And that's why initiation is such an important process to understand both for self-awareness and mental health and a whole bunch of other things because we are initiated into humanity. And it wasn't your choice. We as humans, if you want to call us that, remember I did a whole episode on humanity about how terrible we actually are or can be. We have to decide individually what that means for us. Because there are groups of people who want humanity to be one thing and there are groups of people who want humanity to be the other thing and they want to initiate you into their belief structures they don't want you to have a say. Democrats, Republicans, even Federalists, Unionists, any of these organizations, anyone who's trying to get you to believe what they're fucking selling, 
is it initiation? Are they all good? No. Are they all bad? No. But remember, initiations are hypothesis. It's just a hypothesis. It's just a way of understanding. It's a guess. The more you collect, the better information you get and the better picture you can put together. But you have to do it. So ultimately, this whole thing is just a rant to tell you you need to initiate yourself on yourself. You need to initiate yourself into you because you're the only person who has the ability to honestly want to initiate you for your own good because it will benefit you. Remember, I talked about initiations, how very rarely, nine times out of 10, someone's trying to initiate you because it's going to be good for them and not just because it's going to be good for you. You are the only person who honestly, truly honestly, remember, honesty is not being nice. You are the only person who honestly has a chance to initiate yourself into something because it's going to be good for you. So you are in that vein of thinking, you are the only person who can initiate yourself into yourself. And it's a long process. And no, it's not easy. And every episode, I say pretty much the same stuff. Self-awareness, mental health. I just try to give different ways of thinking about it because ultimately that's what you need to do is you need to think. This entire podcast is just to make you think. So go look at what initiating yourself into yourself looks like. Part of it is breaking down all of the initiations you've ever been through. Your family unit, the school you went to, the group of friends you hung out with, the sports team you were on, the first job you ever had, job you have now, maybe they're the same thing, your love of cats, cat populous people. You're awesome, by the way, because cats are great. But that kind of stuff. The comedy you like, comedies, comedians initiate people into things. They initiate people into this world of comedy that they've created. And it's a, it's a hypothesis on the way to look at things. Comedy, comedy is a great way to get an understanding of the benefits to looking at how we think about things like into putting our perspective into someone else's or like when you laugh about these things and like they bring in a different perspective, that's the, that's the job of the comedian. The job of the comedian is to look at the things the way they look at it, which is very different sometimes than the way we look at it. And then to somehow mesh a correlation while telling a joke, they want you to, they're initiating you into their way of thinking. Comedy is the purest form, not acting comedy because acting is acting. It's most people aren't act. An actor is not acting themselves. They're acting. So it's, it's almost a lie. I'm not saying acting's bad. Entertainment's great, but the, the comedy itself is this almost pure idea of initiation into the world of someone else's perspective agenda 
vocabulary and symbolization in an effort to get you to somehow understand their depression. That is what comedians are doing. Comedians are literally trying to give you a window into their depression. I have yet to be able to figure out how to do it because I'm so adamantly about the idea that depression is the way you think about things, the way you see things, the way you translate things, the way your mind works, that it's nearly impossible to understand someone else's. Yet every time a comedian goes on stage or even every time someone really tries to tell a joke and really tries to be funny to their friends or family or whoever, it's this window into the engagement and it's an amazing form of initiation. So I'll leave with that. Go listen to some comedy because I find comedy to be that it's this pure form of initiation into someone else's depression, into someone else's way of how they think and look at the world. And, and they've done all of this work to show you what they've created based on that idea of they're giving you, this is my agenda. I'm trying to get you to laugh. Here's my perspective. Here's the way I'm thinking about this so that I can create this joke. And let me weave together the vocabulary and the symbolization that makes it up. And you get all of the pieces. That's, that's perfect initiation. They've given you everything. They didn't give you a bullshit agenda. They gave you the agenda. They didn't give you a bullshit perspective. They give you the absolute purest, honest perspective. They didn't make up a vocabulary and symbolization to hide things from you over stages or just to do it in general. They gave it to you to make up the actual thing that's happening in front of your face that you're hearing or listening to or seeing. So go listen to some comedy and I'll see you on the next one. Thanks for listening. Come check us out at TamingHindrances.com for show notes, links, resources, and more. Also, don't forget to subscribe to the show via iTunes, Stitcher, RSS, or your preferred platform. If you leave us a spiffy review, we might just mention it on the show. Now go be awesome. And just remember to breathe.